Then, with no further ado, our pastor, Pastor Doug. As we are receiving our offering this morning, just a, a couple of things, uh, just to kind of reiterate. Um, there is a, a meeting tonight with Keith Luker at 6 o'clock. And uh, praise God for what God's been doing. Uh, lives are being touched, changed. People are being brought into the kingdom, which, uh, which is a tremendous fruit of revival. And uh, I don't quite know, to tell you the truth, um, what evenings next week they're going to be meeting. I don't know if they'll be meeting every evening. Uh, Mike approached me and said, are there any open evenings here at the church that something else is not going on? So we had Tuesday and Saturday and Sunday of this next week open. So I'm sure there will be a schedule going out from Mike, and then we'll, we'll make sure a schedule gets out to everybody that if you'd like to be a part. Okay, they have a Facebook page. You can go on that. So uh, we'll let you know. Uh, we probably will know for sure tonight kind of exactly what's going to be happening there. So, amen. Got a lot of guests this morning. Great having you today, man. Every one of you. And I'm glad you could be with us. We have been in the midst of a series, sermon series, called Who Do You Say That I Am? Uh, if you would, if you'll turn in your Bibles, in your phones, iPads, whatever. If you brought your entire computer system this morning, you can uh, <laughs> open that up. One quick thing also, you do not want to miss the burn coming up this Friday night. Uh, it's going to be amazing. If you don't want to know what a burn is, a burn is a service that's really committed to the thing of prayer, worship, encountering God. Is that right, right Elizabeth? Good. And this time we are, we are, we are folding in prophetic ministry. We're going to have prophetic teams, healing teams, part of the, our healing rooms. And so it's going to be an amazing night starting at seven o'clock and we're going to go to 1 a.m. and, uh, and you can be here as long as you want to be here or whatever. And uh, we've got a team coming up from South Carolina. Uh, they're part of a church in South Carolina that is in the same a uh, group of churches that we are with uh, Partners in Harvest. Great group. They're coming up to help. Um, they're going to be going out on the campus on Friday afternoon around 1 o'clock. Let me just kind of put this out. If any of you, you have your Friday afternoon open and you want to come out and you want to help, they're going to be going out on the campus for outreach, doing treasure hunts and things like that and encountering people with the love of Christ. And if you'd like to come, at 1 o'clock, we can meet over at the office building here, and we're all going to go out together and have a blast. And so you're open to do that. Okay, let's look at Matthew. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 15. It said that when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, said, Who do men say that I am? Or who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they begin to reply, things that they've heard from other people. Some said possibly John the Baptist resurrected. Some said Elijah. <laughs> Some said maybe Jeremiah. 
tremendous prophet, or, or maybe one of the other prophets have come back. But Jesus turned to them. He said, who do you say that I am? And that's, a, that's something that we have, since the beginning of October, have been talking about. Who do you say that I am? And we've had testimonies, and we've had different rifles been preaching. I've been preaching. Uh, Scott Bowen. Uh, we got coming up soon that Wayman is going to be uh, stepping back into the pulpit pulpit here and sharing. And uh, and uh, so it's the question: Who do you say that I am? And it's something that has to be established in all of our hearts. My question is. Of all the times that Jesus could have said what he said here, he chose this moment. Why did he choose this moment? This was about two years into his earthly ministry, about a year left in his earthly ministry. Had a lot of opportunities beforehand. He could have talked with his disciples and said, listen, guys, we've been hanging out for a while. They kind of gotten to know each other. Who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? But Jesus chose this moment, this time in the course of their relationship and their time together, going into his final year, Jesus said, who do people say I am? And the the greater question is, who do you say that I am? And they thought on that, and finally Peter stepped forward, and he said, that you are the Son, you are the Christ. I'm sure, you ever had those moments when someone asks a question and you're not quite sure? You don't, want, don't know if you want to step out or not. And finally someone does step out and they say the right thing. You're going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I, I was going to say that too, you know. It was there, Peter just, you know, jumped right in front of me and I, but I was going to say that, you know, <laughs> type thing. But Peter said it. And, um, Jesus was in probably the most popular time of his ministry during this time. Had throngs of people following him. Multitudes of people following him. And really the next, the following year, things were going to change quite a bit. Actually, if you, if you read in the context of this chapter here, of Matthew chapter 16, somebody's phone's ringing. Is it God calling this morning? He's probably, probably saying, pray for Pastor Doug. Okay. But if you look in the context of Matthew 16, down in verse 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests, scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, no one wanted to hear that. Peter especially. <laughs> Peter stands up and says, you know, it's not going to happen, God. I'm here. I'm going to take care of this. The squad here, we're here. We're going to take care of this. And, and Jesus said, Peter, you don't even have any idea what you're saying, who you're representing right now. He said it pretty emphatically. He told, told him, Satan, get behind me. And... uh But the fact was, is that what was getting ready to happen was probably not what was in the minds of the disciples and what they thought 
was going to occur. Jesus was extremely popular. People were wondering, is this the kingdom? And Jesus was bringing a new kingdom, but it wasn't what they thought it was going to be, right? They thought it was going to be a kingdom that would replace the rule of the Romans over them. And it wasn't the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. He would bring in a kingdom of different, of a different salvation and a different deliverance and bringing them people out of the kingdom of darkness, taking them into the kingdom of light. So I'm sure that Jesus was wanting to know from his disciples or from others, from the two years that I have been with you, what's been formed inside of you. What it is, what is inside of you? Are you going to be able to handle what's getting ready to happen? Because it's going to be different from what you think it's going to be. And he says, I believe, I believe, this is my personal interpretation. Jesus was wanting to find out what's been formed on the inside of you at this point in time. That's really important, isn't it? And that's one reason why we're spending three months on this, on this, uh, sermon series. Because it's important for us to know what is formed on the inside of us. And what picture we have of Christ and how he's involved in our life. You know, back in September, had an amazing conference here with Pastor Duncan Smith from Raleigh, North Carolina. It was just unbelievable talking about the oneness of Christ that we have in him, that we are one in him. And I don't know about you, but boy, I tell you, it just, it brought revelation into my life of who I am and who I am in God and who is God in me. And it was just an amazing Time, and uh, I know many of you were there at that uh, seminar. I'm sure you, like myself, you gathered so much from this. But Jesus, the question was, what's what's on the inside of you that when times come that will shake you and mess you up, that doesn't change on the inside of you, and you knowing who I am. Knowing that you know that you know deep in the depths of your heart when times of adversity and times of uh, circumstances come and it, many times we don't ever expect it. It just comes and it just shakes us. But something that is on the inside of you and I will not be shaken. Will not be shaken. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> Not many people clap for me, but I appreciate it. <laughs> you could tell you were the only one. Okay, so <laughs> I love this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He said, my little children, this is Paul speaking. It's Paul speaking in a moment where people have come into the church of Galatia there and beginning to, to, to speak forth a different gospel, a gospel that is about rules and regulations and law and things like that. And he said, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now what is Paul speaking about until Christ is formed in you? Because when we come into a place of salvation, we come into a place of surrendering our lives to Christ, we are one with Christ. Amen? We are baptized into Him. He is in us. 
But the thing about it is that there is a, there is a ongoing process. You can call it the renewing of your mind. You can call it sanctification, whatever you want to call it. But there is something that takes place as we understand who we are in Christ. We understand of that oneness that we have in Christ. And something gets formed on the inside of you and myself. Something gets formed there. That man, I know that I know that I know this is Jesus. This is who he is. Nothing can shake me from this. We all have had different experiences in Christ that, that, that formation begins to take place. I know, I think of Rifle because of the experience that he had in the area of healing from MS. That, I'm amazed when I get around this man and the faith that's in this man and knowing that he knows, he knows something has been formed on the inside of rifle that will never be shaken. Because in that moment, in reaching out to Christ and saying, Christ, you say that you are my healer. I am trusting. I am believing upon that. I am fixing myself. I am, I am that's what I'm meditating upon. Something was formed on the inside of you. And so when the areas of, of healing takes place, I mean, that is so strong inside of you, my friend. Last week, an amazing sermon. It really was. You were talking about that. And not just healing of our bodies, but healing of our minds. If you, if you were not here last week, you've got to listen to it. I'm going to tell you, you've got to listen to Rifle's preaching last week. It was amazing. But we all, we all have something. You know, I, I had the opportunity. <clears throat> I was gone the first Sunday of October. I was in, I think I was in Spain or, I forget, Spain or Ukraine or one of those places and ministering. I think it probably was Ukraine by then. But someone, they kept telling me, Pastor Doug, have you heard the, have you heard the, the, the uh, audio yet? I said, I haven't heard it. They said, oh, man, you've got to listen to it. You've got to listen to it. That was a Sunday that Rifle, as we began to introduce a series on who do you say that I am, had three individuals come up and give amazing testimonies. Amazing testimonies. Jay and Artem and, and where is Allison at? Is she here this morning? She may be downstairs helping with the children. Allison Bevins. And I, I just, how many of you have, have not heard that, that morning? Have not heard the, the audio? Put your hands up real high. This afternoon, <laughs> you've got to go to our website and listen. I, I just want to tell you, I was in my office, I don't know, Wednesday or Thursday, and Jason was in his. I was listening to it, and it was wrecking me. I was undone listening to Jay, the testimony, our Tim, and how God delivered you from heroin. The story of the guitar that your dad bought, symbol of just resurrection. And then little Allison, I tell you, little Allison, just how God healed her and just, just erased away her past. I, I, I tell you, it, it's, mm. it, it just, 
I was undone. I was, <laughs> I was on my floor in tears in my office. I just said, God, you're so good. You're so amazing. How you come into our lives and you crush the things that the enemy has done and the enemy has built up and says that's the way it is. You'll never change. It will never be any different. This is the picture of your life. It's the picture of your past, your present, and your future, and you'll never change. But see, I love how God comes in. The great I am. And He crushes it. He crushes it. If you haven't listened to it, you have to. You have to. And I'm sure that we could have many people to stand up this morning. And you could give testimonies. How God came and rescued. How God came and delivered. How God came and healed. How God came and poured love out on you. And for each of these things, something was formed on the inside of Jay that will never again be the same. Our Tim, Allison, I know for myself what God has used to be formed inside of me. I know y'all could guess and probably get it right. It's the Father's heart. That Sunday when he poured out love upon me that I had never experienced in all my days and all my thoughts, imaginations, wishes, it wrecked me. It, it revolutionized my life. And so something's been formed on the inside of me that has answered the question, am I valued? Am I loved? Am I accepted? It has been formed on the inside of me. And nobody could shake me from that. But Christ, until Christ is formed in us. And I think that's one of the amazing reasons why we must answer the question, who do you say that I am? Because as you say that, as you testify of that, you speak of that which has been formed on the inside of you. Now, we all have a ways to go, don't we? We are all still growing, and our minds are still being renewed. But I want to tell you that that God <laughs> is wanting to do amazing things in our lives. What, a, what an exciting day that we live in, people. What a thrilling day that we live in. That as we gain a greater revelation of Christ... And we know who, we, we can answer that question, who do you say that I am? And we welcome Christ into the impossible areas of our life. The hurting areas of our life. The challenging areas of our life. And we watch Him come in. <laughs> and He crushes the testimony of the enemy. He crushes the testimony of the enemy. And He says, you have a new testimony now. You have a new life now. I love in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, I believe, verse 15. He's speaking, he's speaking to the serpent as the serpent has deceived Eve and Adam. And, we, and, and, and sin entered into the world. And he speaks to the serpent. And he says, you know, I have a few things to say to you. And he said, I tell you, from this day on, you will 
always crawl on your belly. And he says, your constant diet will be a buffet of dust and dirt. And then he says this. He said, I just want to declare to you, now you have some authority. But there is a day coming. And he speaks this. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. And you may strike his heel. Or you will strike his heel. Crushing your head. Was he talking about physical head? No, he's talking about a place of authority that the enemy had at that time. And the cross, when Jesus hung on the cross for you and I, he crushed the head of the enemy. He crushed the head of the enemy. He crushed any authority that he once had but never again has over your, in, your, in your life. He crushed it. The only authority that he has in your life is that which you have abdicated to him, that which you have given to him. Because you have not stood up in your God-given authority and said, this is the kingdom of God. So if you are being harassed by the enemy, if you are being tempted and you fail again and again, again, you don't have to. Because Christ purchased for you all authority. And you've got to take it back. That which you have given up, you've got to take it back. The book of Colossians, chapter 2, speaks of this. He says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Oneness. Oneness with Christ right there. He forgave us all of our sins and having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away. Everybody say, he took it away. Amen. He took it away. That's good. <laughs> got it. You got it, buddy. It's been formed. He's taking it, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities about of, of the enemy's kingdom, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross. I, I want to read to you what it says. I love this, what it says out of the Message Bible. I, um, it, it, it is so amazing. It says here in the Message Bible, it says, When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, how many of you identified with that? our old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. I like that. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross. And I, I love this. And he says, and he marched them naked through the streets. You know, in those days when one army would conquer another one, 
And they would take the captives back to their, their, their capital city or whatever, main city. And they would humiliate, humiliate the, the, their enemy. Many times they would strip them with no clothes on, just their birthday suits, walking through town and saying, this was our enemy. Christ did something so extraordinary, so amazing for you and I, that He just didn't push it off to the side, don't know when it's going to rise back up, but right now we're okay. Didn't just push it off to the side or anything, but He annihilated it. He crushed everything that the enemy had over you in your life. Everything. And how we still walk with the reminder of the enemy reminds us of things. And we still walk about with that in our minds where it needs to be crushed. We've got a few minutes left here. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. This is, this is Jesus' coming out party. All right? Luke chapter 4, it says, you know, if, if you read before, it talks about Jesus being baptized, water baptized, being sent into the wilderness where he is tempted by the enemy and he just, he crushes him in his, his temptation. And he go, it says that he goes back into the area of Galilee, but then goes into his hometown of Nazareth and he goes into the synagogue that day. It's very important. When you're beginning something, what you begin with, how you start out, is very important. And Jesus, le- Jesus leaves no doubt of what, who he is and his mission and what he's going to do. Leaves no doubt here in a couple of verses. It says that after he, after he shared this, the people were astonished at what he said because not, not, he, didn't, he didn't just read the scripture as others would do. He preached. He declared what the scripture means. And it said that he astonished, but in their minds they couldn't get past the thing. But well, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he just a carpenter? And they let their minds invalidate that which was spoken from heaven, that which was coming forth. We've got to be careful, guys. I was sharing earlier this morning. Sometimes the things of God, we try to grasp it with our minds first. When I understand it, I'll obey it. When I understand it, I'll, I'll surrender to it. When I understand it, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. But I'm telling you, that is, it is the engagement of the heart. And when you engage with the heart, the mind follows. It doesn't mean that God wants to, you to take your mind and just kind of put it up on a shelf somewhere that you never use. It. It's not it at all. But so many times we let the things of our mind keep us from the things of God because it just doesn't make sense. just doesn't make sense at all. But God says that, that you're in need, will you give? Well, that doesn't make sense, God. That when I'm in need, I get I get, I get it from wherever I can. I grab it from wherever I can. No, he said, no, you give. You give, and it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, 
running over. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't. God says if you want to live, you gotta die. But if you try to save your life, you're gonna lose your life. But Jesus stands up and he goes back into the synagogue where probably as a boy, as a young man, he was there every Sabbath. And people knew who he was. It was a custom for him to go in. Whenever you would go into a synagogue, there usually was seven readings that took place of Scripture. Usually the priest, the priest over that synagogue, would give the first reading. The second reading was usually from someone out of the tribe of Levi. That was the, the tribe that was set aside for the, for the, for the ministering in, in, into the temple. And then there were usually five Israelites who were given opportunity that, that they were a part of that synagogue could stand up and read the scripture. And I don't know if Jesus was the last one of that day or, but he was one of the five. And he gets up and he begins to read out of Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. And he answers the question right here and now, who I am. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has me. And I, I did this in the Amplified Version because uh, it just expands it so well. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, he has me, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He declares it from the very beginning that I am the Christ. I am the one that Scripture speaks of. I am the Messiah to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce a release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Now, I love this. He says, to proclaim the acceptable, the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Wow. Wow. Jesus says, I come to deliver all of this to you. Jesus is an amazing deliverer. He says here, I've come to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. That he wasn't talking about people that were of such some social economic status or whatever. But he was talking about people that in their soul, in their spirit, they were bankrupt because of sin. Matthew chapter 5, this past summer we did a series on the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you realize that you're in a place that nothing can bring provision into your life because you are bankrupt. And you owe the debt that is over your life is so great, you can never dig out of that hole. You can never dig out of that hole. Because of sin and being separated from God. But Jesus says, I've come here to deliver good news. 
great news, amazing news, that if you're poor in spirit, you're getting ready to be rich, getting ready to be blessed, getting ready to experience my abounding favors, he says. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing to know? You, ever, you remember that moment when you realized, I'm bankrupt. There is no hope for me. No hope for me. But Jesus came and He crushed my bankruptcy. He crushed my indebtedness. He crushed it. And what He has given to me in return is beyond, oh, it's beyond all I could ever dream of, think of, or whatever. He goes on, He says this, He says, I have come to heal the brokenhearted, those whose hearts are broken because of life. So I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jay and Artem shared about a captivity that they were in. It was worse than prison itself. A captivity of mistakes and errors, a captivity of addiction. And God says, I, I, I'm coming, I'm bringing you liberty. Liberty. How many of us have experienced some liberty from some things that we were captive in? That we had surrendered ourselves in and the, the hole was too, too deep to, to get out of once again. He's come to deliver us from that. I just want to go down and just get a picture of who Christ says He is. That He is, He is, uh, bringing recovery of sight to the blind. And people ask, well, is, is that literal? And I believe yes. Because we, we know that Jesus heals the blind. No doubt. Too many testimonies that, uh, of, of things that have happened to, say, to, to, be, to stand up and say, no, he doesn't do that. He does. But I believe that the blindness, what he was talking about, was a blindness over our hearts also, over our souls. How we can be, we can be following certain things of life and we're just blind. Man, we are just so blind and we need someone to take the blindness off of our eyes. You know, I thought that as a young man, I was, I was, if anyone, if anybody was going to go to heaven, I probably would. I was a nice guy. You know, I enjoyed having a good time and enjoyed partying and things like that. But I thought, you know, just as much as anybody else, I'm going to be going to heaven. I was so blind. And on July 16th, 1972, in a little Baptist church and in, in Columbia, South Carolina, at Eau Claire Baptist Church, blindness was removed from me. In a moment, blindness, whatever it was scaled over my eyes, dropped off of my eyes, and I realized I am bankrupt. I am so deceived in where I am. And when the blindness was removed, it was removed so that I could see the state of my being, but I could see what was being offered to me too. 
And I grabbed hold of that which was being offered to me. Of freedom. Of deliverance. Of healing. Of love. My eyes were open. My eyes were open. Where Christ says that if you're in need of delivery from being downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down, I bring that to you. And he said that today is that acceptable year that is being offered. That day continues on today, people. Amen? That day continues on today. It does. And you may be here this morning, and you have never, you have kind of played the game. You've, you've, you've done certain things to make you look like that everything's okay, but you know that you know in the depths of your heart that you are bankrupt. And you have tried to fix that. You have tried to do all that you can to fix that. And Jesus says, I want to form something on the inside of you, of myself. And you need to give your life to Christ today. You need to give yourself over to God today. You need a brand new start. You need that slate of the past wiped clean. You need that. You're here today and you feel that I'm being crushed by the circumstances of my life. I'm being crushed by certain things that I I give myself into again and again. And I'm so frustrated about it. I want to tell you, Jesus is here today to crush it. To crush that thing by having an encounter with Him. By having an encounter with Him. I want to leave you with this thought, this picture. Then we'll pray. In the book of Daniel, we know that the Babylonians came in and they, 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 they took captives out of Israel. And there were a number of young men that were sharp young men that were placed into the place of you know, sort of an internship of serving the king and internship in government. We know Daniel was one of those young men. We know that there were many others. And three of them that we know of was were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Mendigo. In chapter 3, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, being full of himself, said, I think I'm, I'm going to make a, an image of myself, a giant image of myself. And all during their day, whenever the music plays, that people stop what they're doing and they bow down and they worship it. How great that would be, just all day long being worshipped by my subjects. And that's what he did. You know? And then it was found out through some other people. They said, they said listen, there are some... There are some young men of the Jewish heritage that they will not bow down. They're not going to bow down. And so he goes to them like they have quite, maybe they've misunderstood uh, what I wanted them to do. And, uh, and, and, so, and he goes to them in verse 14 of chapter 3, and he says that Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach? Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up. 
And he said, now, I understand you may have misunderstood, but I'm going to give you another chance. Next time you hear the worship, next time you hear the music play, you need just to bow down. Everything will be cool. No problem. You're in good, you're in good place with me. And he says, so I, I want to tell you, he says here, he said that, and, and he says, and by the way, and if you don't, who is your God that could deliver you from this? And he challenges the Almighty God. And he says, who is your God? He says, I am bringing a, a circumstance in your life that no God can deliver you from me. And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Medico said. He says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. <laughs> Look at this. Something was formed in the lives of these young men. He said, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the golden image which we have set up. Well, the king got a bit upset. And uh, so he says, okay, we're just going to we're gonna heat up this furnace to think seven times, ten times. As much of what it was. And we all know the story. They bound them up. They threw them in the furnace. It says even the, the people who were throwing them into the furnace perished. And they're, and they're in the furnace there. And this, this is the next thing the king does and says. I love it. In verse 24 it says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. Then he says, well, look. He says, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Or it says here, the son of the gods. Jesus shows up. (laughs) I love this. Jesus shows up in the impossible. Jesus shows up and delivers. And becomes the fourth man. I want to tell you, I don't know what fire that you're facing today. I want to tell you the fourth man still lives. The fourth man still lives, people. And that fourth man that got in the furnace with those three boys and said, Hey, isn't it nice in here? I'm sure they didn't feel anything. And it said that when they came out of the fire, not the smell of smoke was on them. Nothing was burned, their clothes, nothing. Only the ropes that were around their hands was the only thing that burned off. I want to tell you, Jesus will come into your life, and the only thing that he burns away is the very thing that is captive, captive, keeping you captive. It's the only thing. So I want us to pray, okay? If you were here this morning and you are bankrupt and you know that you are bankrupt and you need God in your life, you need a relationship with the living God, you need to know that your sins are removed, taken care of, they're gone, that a new day is for you, you need that. I just want you right now to say, Pastor Doug, 
I need you to pray. I need all of y'all to pray. And that's me. If you could lift your hand, you say, that's me this morning. Amen. Anybody else? Wow. Anybody else? You know, you already have your hand lifted. (laughs) Could you stand up where you're at? Just stand up. I know it takes courage, boldness to do that. Father, we pray right now. Anybody else? Father, we pray right now for these that are standing. To some of you that's around these, just kind of place your hand upon them. Father, we pray for those that are standing. They're saying, God, I am bankrupt in heart and soul this morning. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord Jesus. And all you have to do, it says, everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We call upon the name of the Lord, repenting of our past there's a change in your heart and your mind and the way that you're going to walk and you say I am going to walk with Christ from this day forward Father I thank you right now Lord that's your heart that's what's in your heart this morning just declare that just to say Lord yes that's in my heart God I want you I need your rescue I need your deliverance Father, I thank you right now, Lord God. New life. I proclaim new life. New life, Lord God, into these that have stood up, Lord God. New life in Christ's name. I declare that right now. Lord, I thank you, Father. If we call upon you and we ask you that you would come and you would be the center of our heart, as you would come, And you would be the Lord of our life. God, amazing things. Amazing things begin to happen. Because you do exactly that. And the life that we once knew is changed. The life that we once knew is changed forevermore. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask you, if you're in a place today that you feel like you're being crushed by life, you feel like that you've been overcome either by sin or the habit or addiction, you've been crushed by the, the, the things of life, cares, worries, stress, anxieties. God says, Jesus said, I am your deliverer. I've come to deliver all those who are downtrodden, broken, bruised, crushed. I've come to deliver you. And today is your acceptable day. Today is your acceptable year. And if that's you right now, that you're in that place, I want you to stand up. Right where you're at, I want you to stand up and say, that's me right now. That there's something in my life that I feel like it's just crushing me. Stand up. Anybody else? I really believe this is a this is a moment of deliverance. This is a moment of freedom 
in this house this morning over lives. It's a moment. It's your moment. Are you going to come and are you going to grab your moment this morning? Claim your moment this morning. Now, if there's those standing, I want some of you to just go around them, begin to pray for them. Father, we thank you right now. Your peace. Your peace. Now, if you want to share with someone, this is what's going on in my life, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray with me? Just do that right now. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for liberty. We thank you, Father, for your presence, your spirit. God, that would just go and just minister to each and every person this morning that desperately needs you. Thank you, Lord God. Bring relief. Bring hope. God, bring the deliverance that they need. Thank you, Father, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Father, I thank you right now. You're breaking off. You're breaking off, God, chains off of people's lives right now. You're breaking off, Lord God, that which they have tried and tried and tried to be free of, but they can't. But, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that in you, we are one in you. You are our deliverer. You are our God of salvation. And we thank you, Lord God, that that which we humanly cannot break, God, in you, it is so easy for you to break it. So, Father, I thank you right now as we pray, Father, for people, for things to be broken off of their lives. Father, we thank you. Chains are hitting the floor this morning. Chains are being broken off right now of people's lives. Thank you, Lord God, that hope is rushing into lives right now. It's rushing into lives right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. part of the prayer and ministry team this morning. We want you to come on down to the front here.